Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. Preventing Truth Decay. Rethinking Heroes with Carrie Harrison. RethinkingHeroes.com. Hi, this is Dennis Kucinich, and you're listening to Harrison. And let me tell you, it's worth listening to. Well, there we go. Yeah. So in the lip reading, you will have found a volupt encomium directed your way. That was so exquisite and grand. I dare never repeat it, but just know it was the kindest things ever said. I'm going to do a a compressed little version. What I was saying is that uh, some people are superheroes. They come to us known by us, by many tens of thousands of people, but they've never met us on this side. So it's kind of a weird little little imbalance there. And, And this person is one of them. As we look at climate change, which has uh, extended, expanded, unfurled itself in ways we never imagined, never wanted to believe that it would unfurl at quite at twice the speed, three times the speed of what they had predicted. Here we are now. Uh, does that mean you put your head in the soil? Does that mean you just watch more Netflix? You could do both. Um, burning more fossil fuels, probably not the right answer. So let me introduce to you L. Hunter Lovins, an American environmentalist and author and sustainable development proponent. She's a co-founder of Rocky Mountain Institute and the president of the nonprofit organization Natural Capitalism Solutions. Lovins has been a leading voice in the sustainability movement for over 35 years, and her work has been recognized with numerous awards, including the Right Livelihood Award, that's the alternative Nobel, the Rachel Carson Award, and the European Sustainability Pioneer Award. Lovins is the the author of several books, including Natural Capitalism. We're going to get into what is natural capitalism. Creating the Next Industrial Revolution with Armory Lovins and Paul Hawken. Paul Hawken, another name we love. And it's been translated into 20 languages. She's also a frequent speaker at conferences and events around the world, including this one right here, right now. Al Hunter Lovins' work is focused on the intersection of business and sustainability, and she argues that business can profit from adopting sustainable practices, and she has helped to develop a number of tools and frameworks for businesses to do so. She's a strong advocate for government policies that support sustainability, visionary leader who's helped to shape the sustainability movement, and has inspired businesses, governments, individuals around the world, so we're talking to a global person here, all to take action and protect the planet. Hunter Lovins, I want to welcome you to Rethinking Heroes. Thank you so much, Carrie. It's an honor to be with you. And many of us won't know exactly what natural capitalism is. It sounds cool, but let's face it, it's probably not taught in schools quite yet. 
This is true. Actually, uh, very little about real capitalism is taught in schools. I, I wrote a paper recently called The Economics You Weren't Taught in High School, talking about things like uh, what Adam Smith and David Ricardo Pareto, the early economists, actually wrote is not at all what people think they wrote. That uh, Adam Smith, in many ways, was the father of modern sustainability. And in the book he was writing when he died, A Theory of Moral Sentiments, he said, among other things, that the greatest ambition of being human should be to be loved, that greed is not good. Ricardo, for example, said in terms that if capital is mobile, and today trillions of dollars zip around the planet at the speed of a keystroke, you are not trading to comparative advantage. You will be trading to absolute advantage. Their whole mental model was that capital is nationally bounded. Companies are fine, but companies are given a charter by the government because they are operating in the public interest. So much of what we call capitalism today is what my friend Randy Hayes calls cheater capitalism and is based, uh, it's actually corporate socialism where we privatize the gains and subsidize the risks. You and I and the rest of taxpayers pay, for example, what is it, $5.9 trillion every year subsidizing fossil energy, which, as you mentioned, is killing the climate. We subsidize industrial agriculture to the tune of a million dollars a minute. This isn't capitalism. It's, well, as I said, corporate socialism. Natural capitalism, in contrast, would say, how do we honorably do business at this time of multiple crises? We're losing life as we know it on the planet, the loss of biodiversity. We are in a global climate crisis. You know that very well. Uh, July has had the three hottest days ever in recorded history since humans were on the planet. And it th this will almost certainly be the hottest year ever. Year on year, we keep setting records of the hottest year. Scientists say business as usual by perhaps as early as 2040, the Mideast will be uninhabitable. I have a colleague right now who just went to Greece, said it's 110 degrees there. This is and you talk to the scientists, our brains start functioning badly after about 85 degrees, and 110 is a little too hot. Now, if this is true, where are those people in the Middle East going to go? There's a book that was written by uh, Stan Robinson, uh, Ministry for the Future, that uh, talked about the, the future. He was writing for basically 20 years in the future, much of what he was saying, the total system collapse we're starting to see today. It's very, very scary if you look at the climate science. We're talking to Al Hunter Lovins, an American environmentalist and author, sustainable development proponent, co-founder of Rocky Mountain Institute and the president of the nonprofit organization National Natural Capitalism Solutions, Carrie Harrison with you. This is Rethinking Heroes, RethinkingHeroes.com. And we're taking a look at what happens if it just continues to go the way it goes. And it is a serious problem. We now, uh, it's part of the normal lexicon when you mention California to people go, oh, is it on fire? One should never say that. It's not even polite, but that's like a real question. Or Florida, oh, you lost the tip of it last year. You're going to lose like half of it this year. Don't know yet, but it could happen. 
this stuff is so real and the amount of death that happens and it is exacerbated by the fact that we do have fossil fuels and others which you point out rightly are used and socialized now you mentioned socialism and immediately people's stomachs oh you can hear them squirming and 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 paroxysms and their guts are all spinning over and if you put it that way let's let's explain what that means so maybe a great example would be during world war ii when we did the manhattan experiments flat fat man and little boy when we were building the first two nuclear two nuclear weapons so we spent i don't know six billion back in 1940s dollars you and i did as taxpayers and all of that was done uh you know by universities and other places and then the the goal of it after the thermonuclear detonations we had uh, the president then eisenhower came up with and this is some beautiful branding if there ever was any atoms for peace atoms for peace and we had flying cars the nuclear engines good luck getting that thing off the ground and all the rest of it to make it feel like well this is like really good it's like good for you and these sorts of things go on forever and we end up paying for so much but we're actually right now we're funding our own destruction so let's jump into natural capitalism what is the first thing we can do to like slow this train down Natural capitalism has three principles. First, use all resources dramatically more productively. One, because this saves you money. And two, because it buys time. It pushes back the challenges like climate change. Two, redesign how we make and deliver all products and services using approaches like the circular economy, where there is no waste. In nature, there is no waste. The output of any process is food for some other process, we need to build our materials flows around this concept of circularity. Also, the concept of biomimicry, asking how does nature do business? Nature makes a wide array of products and services very differently than we do. Again, no waste, shopping locally, running on sunlight, uh, near body manufacturing. If you look at how an abalone makes its shell immediately next to the creature, finest ceramic known on earth. We make ceramic in very high temperature kilns. You would not want your body anywhere near it. What nature does in that case, the abalone excretes a protein that creates an electrically charged substrate onto which seawater deposits out at the molecular level this very beautiful inner shell. So the guys at Sandia Labs said, we got to be at least as smart as an abalone. How's it doing it? Figured it out and dipped a electrically charged substrate in alternating baths of calcium carbonate and a polymer, which is what seashell is. And the stuff self-assembled at the molecular level just the way it does for the abalone. This is the future of industry, being smarter, not just... Uh, hotter, tougher, heat, beat, and treat, as our industry tends to do. The third principle, which I think is the most important, is to manage all institutions to be regenerative of human and natural capital, the two forms of capital that at the moment are on nobody's balance sheet, but without which there is no economy and indeed uh, no life worth living. So understanding what we are costing our economy, for example, by destroying nature, 
This calculation has been done by people like Dr. Robert Costanza. And the value of ecosystem services is more than the value of the whole economy that we count. We ought to be doing integrated reporting where we understand the value to our economy of nature. Now, notice I have not talked about polar bears. This is not environmentalism in the old sense. And again, nothing wrong with that. Anybody who lives in an environment should probably be an environmentalist. But this is better capitalism. This is better business. You will make more money. No polar bears required. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Al Hunter Lovins, uh, because we're really also talking about technology. We've all talked uh, ad nauseum about AI. It is still yet to be revealed where it's going to even go, how it's going to manifest. But that is definitely part of this. Uh, so we have technology, we have sustainability. What is what do you what are your thoughts on the role of technology in say sustainability? Seeing as people listening who are going to be hearing this on a streaming platform versus on through a radio act, uh, antenna are going to be much younger. And so they're going to be thinking about, well, technology and, and what can they do as younger people? Technology is the answer, but what was the question? It is a very important tool in our tool build. Among other things, I'm a teacher. I'm professor of sustainable management at the Bard MBA in, in New York. Also teach at Fordham and a few other places. And when ChatGPT came out, I said, <clears throat> all right, I'm not going to assign writing essays. How am I going to do this? Ha, huh. I will tell the students, go use ChatGPT, write a blog, bring it to class, and pair up and trade your essays. Edit each other's essay. That way, I get to see real time that they are engaging with the thinking, with the logic, which was why I wanted them to write a piece in the first place, but at the same time, they're learning to use a tool that we're all going to use. It's like when hand calculators came out. Nobody does long division by hand anymore. You use a calculator. It's a tool. So much of the technology that we have around us is fabulous. It has lifted humanity out of brutal misery. And it also, it used badly, is threatening literally threatening all of survival on this planet. Climate change left unchecked. Will end the human experiment. It's like George Carlin said, save the earth, the earth will be fine. It's people who are in trouble and all the rest of life. Now we know, again, using technology, how to solve the climate crisis. If we end emissions using, one, everything more efficiently, but two, renewable energy. I have a five kilowatt solar system on my ranch. I drive a leaf, a little electric car. The solar charges the leaf. <laughs> I drive past gas stations. I love it. That's technology. Oh, batteries. Batteries take mining. Well, the way we do them now, but sodium batteries, for example, are much more efficient, much more effective than lithium ion batteries. Uh, I worked with a little battery company out in California called Simplify Power, makes batteries with lithium ion ferrophosphate. You know, you hold your phone up to your ear, it gets hot. The hot is the cobalt in the lithium ion battery. This is why Teslas occasionally catch fire. Make the battery with different chemistry, you get a better battery 
and no risk of fire. So all of these technologies have trade-offs. They all have costs. All of us being here has impact. The challenge to us is to lower our impact as much as we can and then strive in everything we do to be regenerative. Again, this is what nature does. Nature creates conditions conducive to life, in the words of the great biomimic Janine Benyus. If any of you want to see more about this, uh, go Google Janine Benyus. You'll get a lot of her videos of what this is all about. It is incredibly exciting technology. As I said, it's the future of industry, and it will enable all of us to live more lightly on the planet, to be better stewards of this beautiful little blue marble that we have been gifted, and to learn how to build thriving lives, happier lives, with greater well-being. Harry Harrison with you. This is L. Hunter Lovins with us, an American environmentalist, an author, sustainable development proponent. She is the co-founder of Rocky Mountain Institute and the president of the nonprofit organization Natural Capitalism Solutions, uh, written multiple books and is featured all over the world, gives lectures all over Earth. And, you know, it occurs to me, uh, Hunter Lovins, that the humans are really kind of extraordinary. So nature finds ways to do stuff. Nature gave division of labor and bees. They didn't vote for it, but they've got it. Division of labor. And with that, they can do amazing things. Humans are like the only ones else who have division of labor. And so we can do extraordinary things. It's now just about refocusing that division of labor and doing something better. And, uh, I don't think most companies would be allergic to the fact that their profits can go up if they do the right thing. Can you give some examples of companies that have benefited from natural capitalism? Sure. The Perhaps the most famous one is interface carpets. And in many ways, the principles of natural capitalism co-evolved with our working with the, the visionary CEO, Ray Anderson. In about 1995, Ray uh, he ran a carpet company. He bought a carpet company out of Europe. The employees said, what's your environmental policy? Ray said, do we have one? Quick, somebody get me a book on the environment. His head of HR gave him Paul Hawkins' book, Ecology of Commerce. Ray read it the night before he was to give the speech to his new employees and described the experience as a spear in his chest. He wept to realize there was nothing sustainable about his company. And he said, we are going to be the first company of the next industrial revolution. Gave the speech the next day, wowed all the employees, called Paul and said, are there any others like you out there? Paul called a bunch of us, Ray built what he called his dream team and set about trying to make Interface sustainable. I was sitting with Ray in 2001. He was bothered. He said, this isn't why I did all of this, but everything I'm doing for sustainability is enhancing shareholder value. I said, oh, that's interesting. I mean, that should be true. You use resources more efficiently. You use cleverer processes. You should cut your costs, make more money. I said, how do you count enhancing shareholder value? Ray laid out seven aspects. 
we have since laid out 13 aspects of what we call an integrated bottom line. You may have heard the phrase triple bottom line. What Ray did was double his profits, cut his carbon footprint almost entirely, dramatically cut waste, increase his customer base, again, increase every aspect of shareholder value. So again, if you use resources more productively, that cuts your cost. Use less energy, you're not buying as much fossil fuel to burn. If you treat your employees well, you're going to have more productive employees. Gallup has done studies on this showing that a A more engaged workforce will give you 24% increased productivity, 21% increased profitability. If you take toxic materials out of your process, now your healthcare costs go down. If you have a healthier workforce, again, your productivity goes up. You probably drop your insurance costs. You make yourself more attractive to impact investors. So your cost of capital goes down. You better differentiate your product mix. You build brand equity. You better manage your supply chain. This is why Walmart went green. The evil empire went green. Yeah, Walmart realized that they could cut their costs. They could uh, get better brand equity. But they really did it because they had, what, 100,000 suppliers. They don't actually know how many they had. By putting in place the Walmart sustainability scorecard, they were better able to choose between suppliers. Question number one in the scorecard, do you measure your carbon footprint? Question number two, do you report the carbon disclosure project? The suppliers said, oh, (laughs) CDP is a group of kids out of the UK who about 2000 sent out a little survey to the biggest companies on earth. What's your carbon footprint? As you might imagine, everybody ignored it. Until the the companies realized that the kids were backed by institutional investors with first $3 trillion, then $9 trillion, now like $150 trillion in assets under management. If you want to go to the investment community, you better report to CDP. And now essentially every major company on earth reports to Carbon Disclosure Project. This, I would argue, is the best side of capitalism. It is NGO nonprofit entrepreneurialism, CDP, working with a company like Walmart, getting all of their suppliers to start disclosing what their carbon footprint is. Because when you disclose, you start to pay attention. CDP showed that the leaders in measuring and managing their carbon footprint had 18% higher return on investment, 67% higher ROI than the companies that said, we don't care, we're not going to play. Again, no polar bears required. This is just better business. And these are statistics then when freely shared, finding a way to get them out there to share them is yet another challenge. But when freely shared, who would not get wildly excited? Talk about your margins going on. Republican Congress people who uh, and attorneys general, 19 of whom are attorneys general in 19 southern states, said we are going to ban companies taking what's now called ESG, environment, social, good governance, considerations in deciding where to invest. This, I would argue, is the essence of communism, of the state telling companies how you can invest. 
Uh, I tend to agree with you. It is completely un-American. And you should be able to have the right to self-determination. And if you can make more money doing the right thing, well, bless you. Good on uh, you. Yeah, good on you. Well, this has been fascinating. I wish we had more time. Where could people go to learn more about you, Hunter Lovins? <laughs> they can Google me. Uh, Natural Capitalism Solutions has a website, www.natcapsolutions.org, N-A-T-C-A-P solutions.org. They can get my most recent book, uh, which is up behind me, A Finer Future, Creating an Economy in Service to Life. And what, what would really matter is not me, but begin to implement all of this in your personal life. There are choices that every one of you can make every day. For example, I said half the solution to the climate crisis is renewable energy. The other half of the solution is regenerative agriculture, which takes carbon out of the air, puts it back in the soil. You vote three times a day for what kind of a future you want when you eat. What do you eat? If you eat, for example, good grass-fed beef, you are voting for a finer future. If you eat genetically modified crops, yeah, you're uh, putting you and your children at risk. So. Uh, Find what you really care about and live a life that shows it. Well put. Thank you so much. L. Hunter Lovins has been with us here on Rethinking Heroes, an American environmentalist, author, sustainable development proponent, co-founder of Rocky Mountain Institute, and the president of the nonprofit organization, Natural Capitalism Solutions. Just Google her and then spend the next 48 days trying to comb through all of that stuff, but she is out there and doing it. Obviously, it ends up being you and I do whatever we can. Uh, it is a whole earth game, and we only win if we don't cause more mayhem. Who knew that you could win by not causing a problem? It's a beautiful paradox, and it's doable. I want to thank you for joining us today, L. Hunter Lovins. Terry, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Carrie Harrison with you. This is Rethinking Heroes. I look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, we're going to probably have an interview with uh, this Syrian refugee so that you can get a, the whole inside of what's that like, plus a few more, and then some veterans associations who have some great cures. We were hoping to hear about PTS today, PTSD today. We didn't hear from them, but uh, let's cross our fingers and hope that happens tomorrow or next week. Hope you have a great week, and I look forward to seeing you then. Do you own an annuity, either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. The Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers contains the little-known truths about annuities, like how to help reduce your fees and increase retirement income. And it's free. That's right, free. As a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report just for calling. We researched over 1,000 annuities and summarized rates and benefits from financially strong insurers. You get annuity do's and don'ts for baby boomers and the annuity rate report, both absolutely free for calling Annuity General today. Hurry, supplies are limited. Call now. 800-726-2194. 800-726-2194. That's 800-726-2194.
Can your IRA stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is at our doorsteps? By allocating a percentage of your IRA into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from turbulent markets and economic downturns by putting your IRA back on the gold standard. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call and learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group, empowering faith-driven stewardship. 800-915-2051. 800-915-2051. 800-915-2051. That's 800-915-2051.